Welcome to City Church. City Church is a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. I am personally excited about the new sermon series that we are stepping into as a church family that's going to carry us over the next several weeks. This series is a series that focuses on the person of the Holy Spirit. And during this series, we're going to learn a lot of things. But my primary prayer and the purpose of this sermon is that we will learn about the person of the Holy Spirit so that the Spirit of God will empower us, transform us, and in doing so, will empower us to actively participate in the kingdom of God. As a church, almost everyone knows that we are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church. And so a sermon series on the Holy Spirit is at the center of our church and who God has called us to be. In this series about the Holy Spirit, we're going to learn some things. We're going to learn that the Holy Spirit is a person, that the Holy Spirit is power, that the Holy Spirit knows us and knows God, and that the Holy Spirit guides and speaks. But ultimately, as I've been studying for this sermon series, here's what I know, that the Holy Spirit is about action. That when the Holy Spirit shows up in Scripture, something is getting ready to happen. Again, the Holy Spirit is about action. In thinking about that principle of action, I have discovered in my three-plus decades of pastoral ministry that when I meet people, who Jesus and the Christian life has become rather flatlined or one-dimensional or kind of lackluster, oftentimes it's because that person has ceased to be open to the Holy Spirit or has never really heard about the Holy Spirit or been challenged or encouraged to look to the Spirit of God and to invite the Spirit in more deeply into their lives. And so the title of the sermon series is this, The Holy Spirit, the Comforter, has come. This text, this idea, comes from the Gospel of John. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus comes to his disciples, and we're going to look at this more in depth next Sunday, but Jesus comes to his his disciples, and in meeting with them, he says, I will ask the Father, and he, meaning the Father, will give you another comforter, or the NIV says advocate, to help you and to be with you forever. I'm keenly aware that during this series and in the season we find ourselves in, that all of us are longing for some sense of a comforter, some sense of God's presence to be with us in the midst of the turmoil of our culture and the COVID-19 crisis. Here's what I believe that if Jesus said he was going to ask the Father to send the Spirit, then the Spirit, the Advocate, the Comforter is something that we need to be open to and inviting into our lives. This first sermon, as all first sermons in sermon series, will be an introduction to and very foundational when it comes to the things of the Spirit. The way I would like to do this is if I were introducing a new person to you someone that you've never really met 
or you're hardly familiar with. If I was to introduce a new person to you, I would talk to you about where they're from, about their family, what they do, what kind of keeps this person busy during the day, and then the first time I ever met them. Well, in introducing the Holy Spirit to you, I wanted to share the first time I was aware of encountering the Holy Spirit. My family was unchurched. I was in double digits age-wise, but wasn't yet a teenager. And we began to go to church. I remember going from the normal farm life and being unchurched to suddenly I found myself in the center of a church that was a church that was really into the things of the Holy Spirit, very open to the things of the Spirit. And I remember stepping into that church. And as I did, I experienced something I had experienced nowhere else. It was something that I learned later was the Spirit of God or the presence of God. But when I stepped into that church, there's two things that I noticed. That there was something among those people that I had experienced nowhere else. The other thing that I noticed is that these people were different than people I had met anywhere else. There was something about the people, and even as a young preteen boy, I intuitively knew there was something about these people, but that had something to do with how I felt or something I perceived or some presence that was there when those people would gather together to be part of the church. Later on in pastoral ministry, I've experienced this countless times, where someone who is outside the church will end up being at City Church, and at some point, maybe their first, second, or third visit, I've had people, and again, I've lost count of these people, that will come up to me and they'll say, hey, Pete, I don't know what it is, but when I step into City Church, when I enter into the sanctuary or the auditorium, when I step in, there's something that's in that room that I experience nowhere else. I remember one lady who actually became a friend of mine who just was visiting at Easter. I think she had visited the, Easter, the, the service prior to Easter. And she came to the service and she sat through the service and she was sitting in the far right back so I didn't really observe her during the service but I have a habit of in between services going or after the service greeting people. And there I was at the front of the church and she came up to me and her eyes were red. I could tell she'd been crying. And here's what she said to me. She said, Pete, you have to tell me what's in this church. Because every time I come to church, I sit there, the music starts. She didn't even know to call it worship. She said, music starts, and as soon as the music starts, I begin to cry. But here's what she mentioned to me, that her cry wasn't out of a deep, deep sorrow. She said she entered into our room, and when the worship or the music began, again, we called it worship, something would overcome her. And she sensed the presence of God but didn't know what it was. And she said her crying actually brought peace to her. It was like a relief. It was like a release in and through her life. And I remember standing out in front of the church and talking to her about the person of the Holy Spirit. That was similar to my first encounter with the Spirit of God. I remember sitting there in that church and feeling something and sensing something, not really knowing what it was, but it wasn't long before I learned about the person of the Holy Spirit. Here's what we discover biblically. 
We discover biblically that as soon as you step into the pages of the Bible, within the first two sentences, we are meeting the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit. But I also know that as we meet the Holy Spirit right at the beginning of the Bible, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit in this sermon series, that there are people who are very uncomfortable with this topic. If we talk about God the Father, that's okay. If we talk about God the Son, that's okay. But I think it's important that we process through this introductory sermon because God the Son is not going to show up until the Newer Testament. Jesus doesn't show up until there. Jesus is prophesied about. There's huge hints and evidence of Jesus in the Older Testament. But it's the God the Father and the Spirit that are brought to us for two-thirds of your Bible. And again, we meet the Spirit in the first two sentences that we find in the Scriptures. I want to read those to us. And as we read them, I want you to notice again that in the first two sentences, the Spirit of God shows up. Here's what the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. What we notice in the Scriptures is the Bible tells us that in the beginning, the Spirit of God was hovering. Please notice that. That the Spirit of God is introduced to us at the very beginning of the Scriptures. There is no spirit life in God. There's no true existence of God unless the Holy Spirit is part of the equation. Please look at it this way. That God the Father and God the Spirit are mutual realities introduced to us at the very beginning of the story of God. Now in the Older Testament, when the Spirit of God is mentioned, more often than not, it's brought to us as the Ruah Elohim. Ruah Elohim, that's what we find in verse 2 of Genesis 1. The Spirit of God's hovering over the waters. That's Ruah Elohim. Ruah is mentioned in the Older Testament as being spirit, breath, or wind. And so as I'll be preaching and teaching on the Holy Spirit over the next several weeks, that's some foundational reality that we need to know. That the Ruach Elohim, that Ruach is spirit, breath, or wind, depending on how the verse is translated in the Older Testament. But as we look at this initial story in the Scriptures... What we find is you've got God, and then you have the Spirit of God hovering. And what the Scriptures tells us, that we've got God in the beginning, we've got the Spirit of God, and what they're doing is they are creating for us the heavens and the earth. Now, as we look at verses 1 and 2 of the book of Genesis, I'm going to very devotionally bring them to us so that we can understand what I believe God is trying to teach us about the Holy Spirit, even in the first two verses of the Bible. Think about the creation of the heavens and the earth. Think about the creation of the cosmos. Think about the Herculean task of that. Yet here we have God. And then we have the Spirit of God, 
And then the creation story takes off like a rocket. As I thought about the idea of God creating the heavens and the earth and then introducing to us the person of the Spirit, something struck me devotionally for my own life and what I'd like to present to you. And it is this, is that any time we are facing something that seems Herculean or insurmountable in our lives, as followers of Jesus, what I want us to do is instantly remember that in the Older Testament, whenever there's a huge task ahead, and it begins right here in verse 2, where the heavens and the earth are going to be created, but every time, almost every time in the Older Testament, when there's a Herculean task ahead, the Spirit of God shows up. We see this with the children of God and the children of Israel in the wilderness, with the pillar of fire and the cloud that covers them by day. We see it in the kings that are leading Israel where the Spirit of God comes upon them. Same with the prophets. Same with the judges. We see in the Older Testament people like Samson who had this superhuman strength because he needs it. And it says that the Spirit of God came upon him. Again, what we see in the Older Testament is when there's something insurmountable ahead for a person or for the people of God, the Spirit of God shows up. I believe during this crisis that we're in, where we're facing all of this racial stuff, we're facing all of this economic stuff, all of this healthcare stuff, all of the stuff that we're facing, it seems so Herculean, but I believe that in the very initial story of Scripture, God is shouting to us, my spirit is here. My spirit is with you in midst of the insurmountable things that you face. I was thinking about my own life in the history, the spiritual history of my life when I faced some huge things. One of them was when I was transitioning from being a campus pastor in New Jersey to coming here to be the pastor. I was no longer a campus pastor, and I was seeking God for what was next. I remember that time so vividly. I had loved what I had done, but I knew that God was calling me to something different. And so here I was, between one ministry calling and the other. And during that season, different things were being offered. There was more graduate education. Not only that, there was a national ministry that had approached me about being a regional director from New Jersey to Virginia. And in the midst of all of that, and it was so insurmountable to me, I began to ask God's Spirit to show me what was right. During that several-month process, a friend of mine called me out of the clear blue and told me about this church looking for a pastor. I came down to visit on a Wednesday night. And I can con confess to you, through I, I sat through that, that service and it had nothing to do with the people in the room whatsoever, but I didn't sense the presence of God. And as my wife and I took a brief, a brief tour of this building, a guy named Bobby Bransford showed us around. He was sharing with us a little bit where the church was at. We exited that Wednesday night service. My son Peter was around the age of three. We got in our car and we were exiting the right-hand exit of this church. 
I will never forget this as long as I live. As I was getting ready to pull our car out of the church parking lot, the Spirit of God spoke to me. The Holy Spirit seemingly kind of filled the air around me. I'll never forget this. All of a sudden, the presence of God was there, and the Spirit of God began to speak to me, and I just felt impressed in my heart. It wasn't an audible voice, but I heard God speak to the depths of my soul that I was called to be the pastor of City Church. Not only that, God asked me when I returned home to turn down the other offer, to let the other graduate education that had been offered to me, I was to turn that down and to wait. It was just a few weeks later that I received a phone call from City Church. But the point that I'm trying to make is that when we face things that are insurmountable, God is there by his spirit. And what I would like to say this way is that the way in which we're to put feet to our faith in the midst of this spiritual journey, we're gonna go on with the Holy Spirit is this, is if you ever feel like the weight of the world is on you, I want that to be a trigger that in that moment you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, to surround you, and to give you his presence. Because the first task that the Holy Spirit was involved with was creating the cosmos, creating the heavens, creating the earth on which we live, bringing that into a functional reality so humankind could thrive and survive. But every time you feel the weight of the world, please allow your spiritual trigger to go this way and move towards God and say, Spirit of the living God, you're the one that created the heavens and the earth. And if you can take on that Herculean task, I know you can meet me in the midst of my world where I feel like I'm carrying the weight of the world. Now the other thing that you'll notice devotionally in the story that we just read was that when the scripture speaks about what the Spirit of God's getting ready to do, it says the Holy Spirit is hovering over the waters. In other words, the raw material of the reality of creation is already there. And now the Spirit of God is hovering over top of that. And in that, the Spirit of God begins to move. And as the Spirit of God begins to move, God begins to speak, and almost all of us have read through the days of creation. But I've thought a lot about this devotionally for you and for me. And it's this. The description in the book of Genesis is, is that the earth is formless, empty, and darkness is covering everything. Think of that description. Think of the hopelessness of that. Think about the lostness of that. And yet the only thing in the midst of that description is that the Spirit of God is hovering. The Spirit of God is present. And as I thought about it and as I was praying about it, I couldn't help but to feel as though some of us feel like here's where we are, that the culture is shifting, it feels formless, that somehow we've been kind of overtaken by the fears and the cares of the concerns of this world and we're feeling as though we're empty and talk about darkness covering the land. Notice the ingredient that's going to make the difference. It's the Spirit of God. That's what's going to make the difference. 
And as I've thought about that, I went right back to feet to your faith again. We need to commit as a people that when we get to that place where we're feeling like life is empty or things are formless or things are void or chaotic, that when we think about that, we instantly put feet to our faith and we look to the Spirit of God and say, Spirit of God, please come and attend to me and be with me. I have sensed pastorally, and I've spoken to many people outside of city and in city. And what I've found is, is that people have found themselves in a state that in the midst of their faith has surprised them. But could it be that what God's asking us to do as a church family collectively is to invite the Spirit of God into the midst of that formlessness, that emptiness, and that darkness? I have to confess to you, I don't understand how all of this works, but I am absolutely convinced that it does because I've experienced this in my own life. I can't tell you how many times I have gotten up to face the day and as I'm starting to get ready for the day, I have that sense of the emptiness of life or maybe the darkness or the formlessness and I think about the day ahead and it feels overwhelming. I can't tell you how many times I have stopped by my bedside and I have looked in faith and said, Spirit of God, please touch me, fill me, empower me. And again, I don't understand how it all works, but I do know that Genesis chapter one, one and two is teaching us that it's about the Spirit of God. And when we invite the Spirit of God in, when we pay attention to the Spirit of God, there's life, there's production, there's an ability in life to do what we cannot do in our own human strength. And remember, when the Spirit of God is hovering over the water, the raw material's there but what is needed is spirit life. And the spirit life is available. I believe that God has blessed us and we have the raw materials. But for many of us, we need to invite the spirit of God in. So think about this. The spirit of God is involved with the creation of all that there is and taking that chaos and formlessness and the void and turning it into something that's livable. The Spirit of God does that for the heavens and the earth, for the entire cosmos. And when the psalmist thought about the grandeur of God and the heavens and the earth, in Psalm chapter eight, verses one through two and three through four, the psalmist writes, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. And when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You see in Genesis chapter one, verses one through two, we see this Herculean task of the Spirit of God and God taking the chaos and bringing it into form so that we can thrive and live as humankind. But here God is doing all of that cosmos creation. 
And then in Genesis 2, verses 7 through 9, we discover that God goes from the grand God to where God is fashioning humankind. The creation of man is found in Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 through 9, and it says this, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The raw materials were there, but it took the breath of God to bring life. Verse 8, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want us to notice what happens in the creation story. It goes from the Spirit of God hovering over kind of the raw materials of all of the cosmos to now it says that the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Remember the de definition of Ruah Elohim. It's spirit, wind, breath. What we find in the creation story now is here God is, having created all of the cosmos, everything that there is, now God is literally kneeling in the dust and paying personal attention to Adam. Suddenly we find the God of the cosmos and the spirit of the cosmos through God suddenly becomes intimate and personal. Every time I read this story, I can't help but to think of Michelangelo's David in the Louvre. It's that incredibly crafted statue that shows the beauty of human creation. And I always picture that's how God made Adam, with care and individual concern. And then he breathes life into Adam. What we discover in the creation story of Genesis is, yes, God creates the cosmos, but we also discover that God, through the Holy Spirit, is a personal God. God forms Adam, kneels in the dust over Adam, and breathes life into him. That breath is ruah. It's the Spirit of God that brings life into Adam. So in this introductory sermon, here's what we've discovered we have discovered that there's this God that has created all that there, that there is. And the Spirit of God did that amazing reality, that Herculean task of creating all that there is. But we also discover that with the Spirit of God, God becomes personal with Adam. Personal. And we discover throughout the Older Testament and then into the Newer Testament that God through the Holy Spirit is a personal God. God isn't just the God that by the power of the Spirit started all of creation spinning. Kind of got everything started and then backed away. Listen, that's contradictory to the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 is that the God that got everything started with the power of the Spirit uses that same Spirit to bring life into Adam. Here's what I want us to catch. As we put feet to our faith in the midst of this understanding, please know 
that God even today is looking for people who would look to this God and say, God, I don't want to live life in the natural. Yes, I've said yes to Jesus. I've chosen to be a follower to Jesus. But we're going to discover as we look through the Newer Testament that there were people who were not really open to the Holy Spirit. Jesus, okay. John the Baptist, okay. But hadn't really heard about or were a little resistant to the things of the Spirit of God. This sermon series... This foundational sermon in particular is to encourage you, to ask you, to challenge you to be the type of person who believes and is willing to receive that God knows each one of us personally and desires to allow the Spirit, His Spirit, to reside inside of us so that we can live a life that's transformed and live a life that's active for Jesus. Because you would recall, that when the Spirit of God shows up, there's action, there's activity. What we're going to look at next Sunday is what is that activity of the Holy Spirit when the Spirit of God becomes personal to us. But the reality of it is, it always begins with an invitation of that person. Again, we see the Spirit of God creating the cosmos and then the Spirit of God becoming personal and being breathed into Adam and giving Adam life. As we close out our time, I'm going to ask that you would pray with me. This might all be new to you, but I'm trusting that wherever you're at, whether you're in a dorm room, you're in an apartment, you're there in your home, wherever you're listening to this sermon, that in the midst of this sermon, you'd realize that God wants to give personal spiritual attention to your life even more so if you're facing something that's bigger than you are, if you're facing something that seems insurmountable, or you just feel as though it's, your life is formless, it's void, I want you to pray with me and ask the Spirit of God to fill your heart and to fill your life. Dear God, we avail ourselves to you. and We pray a simple prayer. And the simple prayer is this, Holy Spirit, I welcome you into the depths of my heart, into the depths of my life. Be that spirit to me that created all the cosmos. Be that spirit to me that breathed life into Adam. Dear God, in the name of Jesus, fill me with your spirit that I would be a person that lives and is activated by the spirit of the living God. And I pray for this. And I believe for this now, in Christ's name, in Jesus' name, amen.